0: I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace. Welcome over in the venue. Um, I couldn't tell you how many messages I've I've given on the topic of Christmas or the birth of Christ. I've been here at Big Valley Grace for 30 years and and that's a lot of Christmases. And uh, unlike Easter, you you tend to have Christmas as a season. So there's a number of weekends that you dedicate to this season. And this year, for whatever reason, God put it on my heart to do something uh, a little bit different. Um, In fact, for a lot of you, I'm going to challenge your thinking, or I'm going to at least stretch your your thinking a little bit. You see, most people, when they think of this time of year, primarily think of the beauty of it, Christmas trees that are all decorated up and, you know, with beautiful ornaments. And we have one in our home, beautiful tree, lights, ornaments, and all that. Uh, we think of the lights on our homes or the decorations within our homes. We tend to think of the candles and wreaths and snowmen and nativity scenes, and we have all those things in our home also. Uh, wrapped presents, everything tends to be bright and and cheery this time of year. And probably the one thing that best captures this time of year, or maybe symbolizes it, uh, are, are Christmas cards, because they always tend to be really happy, you know cheerful, you know, uplifting kinds of things. In fact, I went to the, the Hallmark store um, this week, and I spent about uh, about an hour there. They have this whole wall of cards. In fact, they had multiple walls of cards. And uh, this is just a little sampling of some of the cards that I found there. I really was drawn to this one here. Uh, you know, it says, Merry Christmas, son. And it's got all the colorful you know, bulbs on it, you know, very, very, very cheerful. Then, then my eyes immediately w- w- was drawn to this one here, and I, I don't know whether you can, you can see it, but merry and bright, and this is just so happy and, and cheerful, and, and it really can, if, you, if I hit the light right, man, it really f- reflects well. Uh, this one also caught my eye, beautiful uh, Christmas tree, and uh, this one also kind of sparkles, and you can actually take that tree out of there and when someone gets it, it becomes an ornament that you can actually put on your tree. You can put an, a tree ornament on your tree, which was, I thought was you know that's just somebody was thinking there. Um, and, then, and then, and then, there's this card right here. The the reason for the season, you know, is Jesus. And 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 like I said, I'm going to challenge your thinking as it relates to to to, to that. Then this one here was. Cheery, uplifting—it it brought a smile to my face. You got all these, you know, different Christmas trees on there, and you know, stars and lights, and you know, you can't—you you can't help but look at that, just not smile. Um, then this one here was really caught my eye. It's got all this sprinkly stuff on it, and um, and the thing about these sprinkly cards is, th- it's now all over my Bible and my clothes and. and <laughs> The, the 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 sprinkly stuff is the, the gift that keeps on giving. You can't you you can't get it off of anything. It'll be on my Bible and clothes for for, for next year. But, it certainly is happy looking. Uh, oh, I, this one here immediately caught my eye. Uh, joy, joy, joy. I mean, that just looks happy. That just nothing says happy like a little dog guy up in the corner. You know. Um, this one was very sentimental. It, uh, you know, you've got the snow falling and, and the snowman guy there in the, in, in the corner, kind of a thing, and the Christmas tree underneath the little thing there. This was my favorite one. Uh, this one, to me, was very dramatic, and I just thought it was really, really beautiful. And it's uh, got that great image on it of Mary and, and Joseph and all of that. Uh, this one here, you've got to be merry when you see it because it says Mary. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you do with that one? I mean, it's happy, it's red and shiny and, and all that. Um, then, then there was this one. This one caught my eye um, for a number of reasons. Uh, it's happy, it says Christmas is the, uh, is the time to celebrate all the people who make us feel happy and loved. And I thought, really? And then you open it up, it says celebrating Christmas. Celebrating you! And I went, really? It's happy. It's got that happy font. Colorful. Celebrating you. Anyway. Um, but none of these cards here, and, and, and you know, Hallmark's got a bazillion car- cards in it, and, and uh, we've received a lot of cards that tend to be very happy and cheerful and all that kind of stuff, but, but they, they don't really capture the real reason for the season. You see, There's also another side of Christmas. It's the ugly side of Christmas. Um, Luther called it the dark side of of Christmas. Uh, And I'm not talking about the fact that in America we've so commercialized Christmas that you can hardly recognize it anymore, okay? That's dark. What's happened in our country is is very dark. Um, And your pastor has done all that he can this Christmas season to express to you just how messed up I think we as believers have, have warped Christmas. I mean, it's just, just unbelievable. And as dark as that is, I'm gonna talk about something that's even darker. I'm not even talking about the, the, the fact that people have literally beaten each other up to get the last present they wanted at some stores. They've literally you know, acted like animals that's dark, but I have something much darker. I was reading where uh, a gal was at a, a store, like a Target or whatever it was, and she was there Christmas shopping, and she wanted to get um, a set of sheets that she could give out for a Christmas gift. And uh, as she was heading towards this you know, pile of sheets, it was the last one, and somebody else got there before she did. And, and and that kind of that, that, that's kind of how it works. Somebody got there before she did, and they were gonna take these Christmas or these sheets that she was gonna give away for Christmas present. Well, she has a had a taser on her, and the taser, you know, was used in case someone was gonna steal her purse or rape her or something like that. But but it was Christmas season. And she had some sheets that she needed to give to somebody as a Christmas gift. And so she takes the taser out. <laughs> you know, boom, the person fell over and is foaming at the mouth and whatever you do when you're tased. And she got the Christmas gift. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's just, because, you know, we're, we're celebrating you. I tasered someone to get that gift. And I'm happy about how I've turned out. That's dark, but I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about the fact that there seems to be an all-out attack to rid our culture of this special day, and we've really seen it ramped up um, this year. And if you were to go to New York, and ever been to uh, you know the middle of, of of town there, you know Times Square, they have all these ginormous jumbotrons that are running ads, you know Macy's and Saks Fifth Avenue, and they have all these signs that are running. Uh, there, well, this year there's this sign that's running there. How do we run that one more time? You know, there was a time in all of our lives, my life also, when we were all atheists, we didn't believe in God, and yet uh, when you got to a season like this, um, I I guess you just kind of put it all aside and you were just okay with trees and you were okay with wreaths and presents and lights and all that. Not anymore. Uh, There there, there seems to be a very aggressive um, pushback, if you will, to Uh, this season. And it's dark. It's it's a crummy thing, but it's not the darkness that I want to talk about. I'm not even talking about the fact that Jesus was born in a dark, damp, cold, filth-ridden, manure-filled stable, or the fact that an evil man by the name of Herod, who was king at the time of Jesus' birth, killed or really massacred all the babies in the region because he feared that he might lose his power. That's not the dark side of Christmas. It's dark, but there's something even darker. In fact, I'm I'm gonna share something that is just way, way, way darker, uglier than all these things. You see, lurking behind every beautiful scene on every you know beautiful Christmas card, there's something wretched. There's something heinous, there's something most of the world doesn't want to admit to or even think about. It's the real reason for the season. It's the reason Jesus Christ had to come and leave the the beauty of heaven and become a man. And if you really want to have a proper understanding of the beauty and the the wonder of of Christmas, you have to have the proper understanding of what the real reason for the season is. Now, I want you to know that it's not my goal to bum you out or to ruin the joy that tends to surround this time of year, okay? It's actually my, my goal to enhance your joy, to actually create within you a real joy, But as I shared just a moment ago, the Lord has placed on my heart as the pastor of this church, uh, your pastor, that um, somehow um, I have noticed that we as Christians have somehow been caught up in this vortex of materialism and just whatever, whatever this Christmas season has become. You know, it's a time where we celebrate you know, family as good as that might be, or you as good as that might be, and somehow we've we've just gotten, we've gotten sidetracked, and I've spent um, a number of weeks talking about that, to the degree where I've received a number of emails from people who, you know, man, you're just Scrooge. And I take that as a compliment. Listen, I already told you, I got a tree in my house and we got wreaths on our door and we got nativity scenes and we have presents under our tree and my son and I wouldn't put lights out on our home. There's nothing wrong with all that stuff. Nothing wrong with getting and receiving cards. We we do that. But somehow it has captured captured the heart of too many followers of Jesus. I, I, I understand atheists putting up boards saying, it's not about Christ, it's about family, it's about presence, it's about lights, it's about trees. I get that. I don't lose any sleep over that. But I do lose sleep over it over my family, that someday I'll stand before God and give an account for how I led this church and how I used the influence that I have. And I've just, I've just seen just kind of something crummy that snuck into all of our, our lives, which is why we hand out the three gifts and do all the things that we, we do. And, and here's the deal, I don't wanna bum anybody out today. Some of you will be bummed out, but that's not my goal. My goal is, is to actually enhance your Christmas to actually enhance the joy that surrounds this incredible moment, the, the, the birth of, of Christ. So with all this said, let's read Matthew chapter 1 together. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, I think the verses are inside your program or they'll be up on the, on the, on the jumbotrons. The Bible says this in verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin. If you look up that word virgin in the Greek, it means she was a virgin. (laughs) She was a virgin. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And that culture, obviously, he knew he wasn't the father, and he wasn't going to make a vow to a gal that would have um, uh, those kinds of morals or that kind of character. And so... He was a good man, he was a godly man, and he didn't want to embarrass her. She was already gonna go through enough shame and humiliation, because in that culture, to be pregnant at a wedlock, it was shameful. It was embarrassing. It's not in our culture today. You're pregnant and, and, you know, a teenager, you get a TV show. Things are way different today than they were back then. Things are different today than they were when I was in high school down at Grace M. Davis High School. Way different. Joseph was a godly man, and he didn't want to embarrass her any more than she was going to be, you know, and so he just decided, I'm going to end this engagement. And as he considered this, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived... By the Holy Spirit. There wasn't some other guy in her life. She didn't cheat on you or anything like that. And she will have a son. And Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, there was a purpose for Jesus coming. There was a purpose behind that one day, December 25th, where we celebrate this incredible moment of God becoming a human being. Paul put it this way, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. And here's the deal, we could have a great debate as to who is a greater sinner, Paul or you? Paul or me? I know some of you in this room. I know some of your stories pretty well. My friend Pat over here, chairman of our elder board, I know about his life before he gave his life to Christ. I think he'd given Paul a run for his money in terms of who was a greater sinner. Some of you know my story. Some of you might say, hey, you know, Paul may have been a great sinner, but I certainly know about your sin, countrymen. You could have given Paul a run for his money. And I'd say you're wrong. You know why? Because I know I was a greater sinner probably than Paul. Point is, is this he came into the world to save sinners. Beloved, the, the real reason for the season is sin. Now, for some of you, whoa. Come on, I already bought my cards. <laughs> don't, don't, don't goof me up here, countryman. You see, sin is at the very heart of Christmas. It's sin that caused Jesus to have to leave the glory of heaven and come to planet earth as a mere man. In other words, if sin doesn't enter the world, Jesus wouldn't have had to have come as a baby. If, if sin doesn't enter the world, there would be no such thing as Christmas. If sin doesn't enter the world, we wouldn't need to celebrate the incarnation. Why? Because it never would have happened. But because sin did enter the world, Jesus enters the world. Imagine God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, living in perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect love. And it's because of sin that Jesus had to leave that incredible unity and love. It's because of sin that he had to come here one day, 2,000 years ago, to be born. You see, the real beauty of of Christmas is to have a good understanding of this. You, You see, sin is behind every broken marriage. Sin is behind every shattered friendship. Sin is behind every argument and disagreement. Sin is behind every evil thought. Sin is behind every evil word. Sin is behind every evil deed. Sin is behind every good deed undone. Sin is behind every good thought unthought of. Sin is behind every good word that goes unsaid Because of sin, there are tears, and pain, and war, and fighting, and anxiety, and discord, and unrest, and fear, and worry, and sickness, and death, and famine, and earthquake, and pollution, and anything else that you can think of that mars the planet. But worst of all, sin brought death, physical death to all that have come before us, and will bring death to all of us someday. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 6, the payment for sin is death. We're all going to die because of sin. That baby that was born 2,000 years ago, that one day, that baby is eventually going to grow to be a man, and he will die because of sin. Not sin in his own life, but for your sin for mine. Sin is a force that nobody can escape from. It literally pollutes and defiles and stains and mars everything it touches. And worst of all, it literally damns every soul, every person to hell. In fact, let me tell you how deep the roots of sin are in in your life. Sin is so deep in your life, it's so powerful in your life that even after salvation, even after you give your life over to Jesus Christ, it remains a problem for you. The great apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter seven. He said, I don't really understand myself. Anybody ever feel like that? (laughs) For I want to do what is right, but for whatever reason, at times I don't do it. Instead I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but oftentimes I can't. I want to do what is good, but oftentimes I don't. I don't wanna do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't wanna do, I am not the one really doing the wrong, it's sin living in me that does it. Beloved, anything that sinister, anything that powerful could have only been dealt with by God himself. Look, look, sin is so powerful that even when you give your life to Christ, even when you become a Christian, even when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you know what? you still gotta wrestle around with it. That's how powerful it is. There was a day when John the Baptist was baptizing a bunch of people and there were lots of you know, people standing around in the water and on the banks of the river or whatever, uh, watching all these baptisms take place and Jesus showed up and John sees Jesus standing in the crowd and this is what he said. He said, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone that you don't recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of a sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany on the area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, and he points towards Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, that baby had a purpose, a real purpose when he, when he came. John, not, the, not, not John the Baptist, but another John, said this We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son Jesus, left the Trinity, sent his son Jesus to a little town called Bethlehem to be born. Why? To be the Savior of the world to be the savior to me to, to to you beloved jesus christ came into the world to save us from from sin the, the, that's the reason for his coming sin had marred our lives and god so loved us that he sent his son to deal with the problem now with all this said i want to answer a few big questions okay These are weighty questions. Uh, These questions and and answers will better help you understand what Christmas is all about, okay? And the first one is this, uh, number one. uh, Weighty question number one. What exactly is sin? What is this thing that has so messed up our our world or messed up our, our personal lives? Well, the answer is sin is the breaking of God's laws. If I had to put it into one concise sentence, it would be that. John said this in 1 John chapter uh, 3. He said, the person who sins breaks God's laws. Yes, sin is living against God's law. Listen to me carefully. Sin at its core is living as if there were no God. Okay? Sin denies the reality of, of, of God's authority. All right? So here's how it might work itself out. If you don't believe in God, you're not gonna live according to his word, right? Because you don't believe in God. If you don't believe in God, you're not gonna obey what God has to say, right? Because you don't believe in God. If you don't believe in God, you're not gonna place yourself under his authority, right? Because you don't believe in him. So if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in his authority in your life, who is in charge of your life? If you don't believe in God or his word, who is in charge of determining what is right or what is wrong in your life? If you don't believe in God, who, who is in charge of determining what's moral or what's immoral in your life? If you don't believe in the authority of God or you don't even believe in God, who is in charge? Well, well it's obvious, it's you. You're the one who determines what is right or what's wrong or what's moral and immoral, and, and you may do that a number of ways. You may say, "Hey, listen, I I, I kind of like some of these things Oprah says," and I think Dr. Phil's got a good point here. And um, some people might say, "You know, I think Hitler might have been onto something when it related to the Jews." I, I I I don't know how you come up with what is right or what is wrong. I don't know how you come up with what is moral or what is immoral if you don't believe in God or the authority of his word. But obviously, there's something that you've done. You have to make some choices as to what's right or what's wrong or what's moral or immoral or whatever. You're in charge of your your own life. And by the way, all of us at one time or another didn't believe in God, as I said earlier. All of us, we've all disobeyed God. We've all lived at one time or another as if God didn't exist. Romans chapter three makes that clear. The Bible says, for everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. The Bible teaches that sin, the the breaking of God's laws, entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They they did something that God commanded them not to do, and at that very moment, everything changed. The world became one big civilization of sinners. Like produces like. Adam and Eve decided that they were going to break God's law. God... We're not gonna do what you have to say. We're gonna make up our own rule, and so we're gonna go ahead and eat from that tree you told us not to eat from. And at that moment, the Bible says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam and Eve had children, and those children were then born in sin. And those children had children, they were born in sin. And those children had children, they were born in sin, so on and so forth. And a little over 50 years ago, a man by the name of Roderick Neal Countryman Sr., Married a, a young Italian gal named Marci Giannotti and it wasn't long after that, that bam, woo, I was born. And guess what? I was born a sinful person. Like produces like. Ever since the Garden of Eden, that's all we've had is sin. Now the second weighty question is this, what does sin do? In other words, what happens when a person breaks God's laws? Well, the answer, sin, the breaking of God's laws, brings the wrath of God upon your life. Romans chapter 1 makes that clear. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men, women, people. Well, What exactly is godlessness? What exactly is wickedness? Well, godlessness simply means living as if God doesn't exist. And beloved, God doesn't like it when you live like that. God doesn't like it when you live as if he doesn't exist. Um, I don't like it as a parent, and I got the feeling all of you that are parents don't like it when your children live as if you don't exist. Right, Dad? Hey, if I tell my son, son, you know what, Uh, today's the day and is today, you know, he takes the garbage out to the curb. And uh, I, I wouldn't be very happy if he said, you know what, dude, you're an old man. Look at your gray hair, man. You're so out of it. Lame Tommy Bahama shirt you got on. The music you listen to, you're so lame, dad. You know what, I'm not even gonna listen to you. I, I'm. And he just kind of blew me off. And he said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live like my dad doesn't even exist. Um, well, son. Let's, let's have a little talk. As the uh, great comedian once said, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Okay? <laughs> you see, God doesn't like it when you make the decision that, you know what? I'm gonna live like you don't even exist. And by the way, this doesn't necessarily mean you're an atheist. It doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. Many people believe in God, but they live like he doesn't exist. They don't live with God in mind. They don't don't live with a a life that honors God. They don't live with a, a reverence towards God. And when a person lives like there's no God, it always leads to wickedness. In other words, godlessness always comes before wickedness. And by the way, wickedness simply means living without any rules. When a person makes the choice, and it is a choice to live like there's no God, it always shows up in their lifestyle. And that's true of a nation. If a nation lives like there is no God, it will show up in the conduct of its people. And we're seeing that now. Godlessness always comes before wickedness. Godlessness says, you know what? I'm gonna live like you don't exist. And once you make that choice, You get to make up the rules, you see. And all of a sudden, whatever conduct you want becomes okay. And you're a hater if you stand up for God's thoughts on life. So God's wrath is directed at those who live like he doesn't exist, And his wrath is directed at those that live without any rules. They just do whatever they want. And by the way, you can see the wrath of God throughout the entire Bible. It first shows up in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve made the decision to believe Satan instead of believing God. And when they made that choice, God imposed the death sentence upon both of them and all of their descendants. And on top of that, he cursed the earth when Adam and Eve made the decision to blow off God and say, God, I'm going to live like you don't exist. I'm going to make up my own rules. And they went and ate that piece of fruit. The wrath of God was, you are now going to die. Now, obviously, that didn't mean they would die at that moment, but they eventually did die. And by the way, that, that moment in history brought the wrath of God on all of our lives. We have all been suffering the wrath of God because of what took place in Genesis Chapter three, it was never God's plan that anybody would die. It's sin that brought death into the world. We see God's wrath show up in a worldwide flood where everybody died but eight souls. God's wrath showed up in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. God's wrath showed up in the uh, drowning of Pharaoh's army. God's wrath showed up in the stoning of Achan and his family after they chose to disobey God's instructions at Jericho. God's wrath showed up at the temple one day when Jesus kicked over the money changers' tables. Remember that? Beloved, all throughout the Bible, you see the wrath of God being poured out on godlessness and wickedness all throughout the Bible. Beloved, sin and the wrath of God go hand in hand. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter two. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the the spirit of who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thought, thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, all of us, we were objects of wrath. All of us. Psalms chapter 90 says, who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. You deserve. Beloved, it's sin that brings the wrath of God upon our lives. It's sin that condemns us. It's sin that, that damns us. It's, it's sin that sends people to, to hell. In Revelation chapter 20, we're told about the great white throne judgment of God, where God gathers all those whose sins has not been dealt with, which means the wrath of God is still upon them, and he casts those people in the lake of fire that burns forever. Listen to me. Jesus taught very clearly the doctrine of hell. He was the one who framed it and articulated it in the the Gospels. Spurgeon said this, man is hanging over the mouth of hell by a solitary plank, and the plank is rotten. And I want you to know, I thought about that. There was a lot of my life, first couple of decades of my life, when I was on that plank. Didn't realize it, didn't get it. But I was on that plank, and at any moment, that plank, which was rotten, could have given away. Given away. Now, I know that there's a bunch of people out there, maybe you sitting here watching online or listening on the radio, and, and you kind of make fun of a message like this. Some of you are probably thinking to yourself, give me a break, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in his word, I don't believe in sin, I don't believe in judgment, I don't believe in hell. When's this guy gonna end, you know? And here's how I know some of you think that. I used to think that. I used to go to First Baptist, and I'd hear old Bill Yeager preaching the word, and I used to go, come on. I don't believe in this stuff. All these crazy believers, I'd see all these Christians with their Bibles and raising their hands and giving money to this. You know, I just thought, man, how how ridiculous is this? These people are all brainwashed, crazy. The wisest man that ever lived said this. He says, fools mock at making amends for sin. That was me. That was everybody in this room. There was a time when all of us thought sin was just stupid. The wrath of God, come on, judgment of God, come on, give me a break. One version says, fools don't really care if they sin. Listen, God cares about you so much that he made sure that you were here today so that you could hear this message. And it's okay if you mock me, it's okay. I'll go to sleep tonight, I'll sleep well tonight. I'm just glad you're here, and it's not a coincidence that you're here. God brought you here that you might hear something that you just never heard before. Christmas isn't about celebrating you. I don't care what the card says. <laughs> it's not about family. As great as that is, nothing wrong with family. Not, not about having trees or you know, having your kids home from college or whatever, all that stuff. is. That's all great stuff. The reason why some of you will blow off this message is because you like being in control of your own life. You like being the boss of your own life. You certainly aren't going to acknowledge a God because once you do that, then you know you're kind of under his authority. And your flesh likes to be in control too much. So coming out of the darkness into the light, you'd just rather stay in the darkness. I get it. But at least you've heard the message. Weighty question number three, how does a person rid themselves of their sin? Here's the answer. They can't. You can't. Jeremiah 13 says, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leopard take away its spots? Neither can you start doing good for you have always done evil. Beloved, the the, the Ethiopian can't do anything about the color of his skin. The leopard can't do anything about the spots that he has. And the great prophet Jeremiah says, neither can you as a human start doing good when you've always done what is evil. There's nothing you can do to rid yourself of sin, not New Year's resolutions, not self-help or self-effort, not religion. Sin is humanly incurable. Job said this in Job chapter 14, who can bring purity out of an impure person? And the answer is no one. No one. You see, the message of the Bible is, is that We're all evil. Some are just more evil than others. We're not good and some are better than others. No. Sin has tainted and marred all our lives. We're all evil. Some are just, you know, more evil than others. Obviously, Hitler was more evil than you. Obviously, Charlie Manson was more evil than you. But we're all evil to some degree. Beloved, ever since Adam and Eve, it's been sinners and sinners and sinners and sinners and sinners and sinners and and nothing but sinners. We've all drank from the same poison well. We've all inherited the same fallen genetics. The only non-sinner that has ever lived is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in him there was no sin. All this to say is you have no power, humanly speaking, to do anything about your sin. The great prophet Jeremiah went on to say the, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows just how crummy and bad and evil and wicked it is? And even though those of you that are here who don't know Christ as your Savior, you think this is all kind of funny and, you know, stupid. You even have to admit there are times when you're driving down the road or you're laying in bed at night when you have just some of the most evil, wretched thoughts. Pick up your newspaper on any given day and just look at the evil that one person can perpetrate onto another person. Just yesterday in the Monesto B, I read the article about a woman. She carried around a baby in her womb, in her own womb for nine months. That baby came out, that baby fed at that woman's breast for a few days. And that woman's heart was so evil, so wretched, so full of sin, that she shot herself up with meth, put that baby in a room for three days with no food and no water, and it died. Something that came out of her own body. Something that fed at her own breasts. Jeremiah is right, the human heart, the human condition is so goofed up, it's unbelievable. None of you are that evil, I get it. The point is, is that our hearts are evil because of sin, and you can't do anything about it. None of us has the power to fix the problem of sin, which is the reason for the season. But God has the power to do anything he wants, which brings me to the beauty of Christmas. The beauty of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. You see, if I could rewrite history a a little bit, I would say sin is the reason for the season. That wouldn't sell many cards. People don't want to hear that message. But it's Jesus is what brings beauty to the season. But it's sin is the reason why we have a day in history when Jesus even had to come. The Bible says in Luke chapter two today in the town of David, a savior has been born for you. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. Not a doctor, you didn't need a doctor. Not a lawyer, you didn't need a lawyer. Not a coach, you didn't need a coach. Not a therapist, you didn't need a therapist. You needed a Savior. Because sin had so messed up your life, messed up my life, marred our lives. We couldn't fix the problem. But God loved you. Loved you so he sent you a savior jesus said this in luke chapter 19 for the son of man that's jesus came to seek and to save the lost the lost that's all of us see that baby was born in that little town called bethlehem because he came to seek and to save the lost we were all lost Bloodwood, when you have a true understanding of just how ugly and, and damaging sin is, it makes the Christmas season really beautiful, doesn't it? You see, the beauty of Christmas isn't trees and lights and wreaths and ornaments and presents and snow scenes and warm fires and three wise men. The beauty of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came into the world to solve the problem of sin in my life. Unbelievable. See, the beauty of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came. And that's what this season's all about. Nothing wrong with presents, nothing wrong with all that stuff. Like I said, I got it at my house. But if you really want to enhance the joy of this season, is you got to have a proper understanding of why we even have this season. I I got the feeling if God the Father was standing here right now, I don't think he'd say, man, what a great day it was when I had to send my son down to planet Earth to be born as a mere human to die on a cross. I don't think that would be the highlight of the Father's existence. But he did it because he loves you and he cares about you. He cares about you deeply. In fact, This is what I want you to do, just over in the venue in here, just for a second, just just close your eyes, okay, just just real quick, just close your eyes. And I don't want you to pray, I'm not not having you close your eyes so you'll pray, I I just want you to be alone for a moment, don't worry about your husband or your wife sitting next to you, your kids, or your grandpa, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, it's just you, just you, you and God right now. And I know that the overwhelming majority of you here have given your life to Jesus Christ, to the Savior. You recognized how sin had marred your life. You recognized how sin had messed up everything. You recognized the godlessness in your life, the wickedness in your life. You recognized there wasn't anything you could do, and so you received the Savior. And The Bible says that when you did that, your sins were washed away. God took care of your sin. But some of you haven't, and every hour there have been people that have given their life to Christ, and maybe that's you here, maybe that's you over in the venue, and this is what I want you to do. If you get it, if you are sitting out there going, I understand this, I think I, I, I get this. And you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Your, your sins have not been dealt with, which means the wrath of God is still on your life, and you'd like to receive Christ right now. This is all I want you to do. Just pray this prayer. Just mean it. Just say it in your heart. It's not, it's not this prayer isn't in the Bible. I'm going to make it up. You just got to believe it. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. I I recognize my sin. I know I'm sinful. And I know my sin has brought your wrath. And I receive you into my life right now as my Savior. You came into the world to save me. I've lived as, as if you haven't existed And today that changes. I give my life to you. Help me to learn what it is you would have for me. Help me to learn what you believe is right and what you believe is wrong. Help me to learn what you believe is moral and what you believe is immoral. I give you my life right now, Jesus. Now while your eyes are closed and all that kind of stuff, over in the venue, obviously I'm not going to be able to see you, but if you prayed that, raise your hand that I could rejoice with you and make, make, make sure, yeah, I see you, ma'am. Make sure I see it. yeah, back here. Just make, make sure I kind of see you. You can kind of make up, you can kind of look up at me, those of you that aren't raising your hand. Anybody else right here? Yeah, cool, cool, got you, sir. Anybody up there? Anybody over there? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, man, yeah, whole family. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, 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 okay. All right, everybody look up here real quick. Everybody look up here real quick here's what I want you to do. Our hosts and hostesses are going to come forward. In fact, I want you to do that right now. Just come and get in position, okay? And you've held on to that card, that communication card, and this is all I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer, and there are many of you that did, a lot of hands went up, all I want you to do is in the corner, just take a pen and put a star up in that corner. And those cards are all going to be given to me tomorrow. And there were people last night, last hour, today, I'm sure, over in the venue and those cards will be given to me, and I'd love to email you if you've got an email address. If you, if you don't, if you've got snail mail, I'll snail mail you something, okay? I just want to rejoice in the decision that you've made. I want to know about the decision you made. So please, just put a star up, up in the corner. And what I would like to do is invite all of you who prayed to come to the, the follow class on, on January the 8th. And, and that's where you get to, so it's one thing to say, God, I'm not gonna live as if you don't exist, I believe you do exist, that's a good thing. The problem is most of you don't know then what he would want you to do with your life, you see. And, and I, I wanna help you, and so it's seven weeks long, um, I'm in there, it's really great, and I'd love for you to come and I'd love to invite you and send you a reminder so I have enough books and all that kind of stuff. And it's really cash. And we have childcare if you have kids and all that. Love to have you be, be a part of that. Now, there's another group of you in here. And maybe you gave your life to Christ last weekend, last month, last year. Maybe, you have, maybe you've been away from the Lord for decades. And for whatever reason, God brought you here today. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I've been living as if he doesn't exist, though I know he does. And I've been living by my own set of rules, though I know they were wrong. And you know what, it's time for me to get serious about this. So you're a believer, but just haven't been living like it. Why don't you put a square on that card? And that lets me know that maybe you'd be interested. And, and you ought to come to this class. I'd love to have you there. It's not just a class for, for those that are new believers. It's a class for, for anybody. Maybe you're here and you took the class last year or whatever and you're thinking, man, I need to go through it again. Uh, I I, I go through it every year, twice. (laughs) Nothing wrong with going through it again. Nothing wrong with that. We sing some of the same songs over and over again, don't we? It's okay to take some of these things over and over again. Nothing wrong with it. But put a little square in the corner, and this is what I want you to do. Pass those in right now. Uh, Everybody pass their cards in. Everybody pass their cards in. Everybody's got their cards. Passing them in. Passing them in right now, because I goofed up things the last two hours. So everybody pass them in. And uh, before I pray, and everybody runs out of here, and then you don't know what to do with your cards. So pass them in, and they're going to walk down the aisles right now, and they're going pick, to pick up all those cards. And this is what I want you to do. Everybody stand up. Over in the venue, stand up. You can at least stand up. And um, keep passing those things in. All right, cool. Let me, uh, let me pray, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, God, for how you were at work in my own life as I studied this. God, I know that on some plane, the reason for the season is Jesus. I get that. And I know why that ends up on a card or whatever. But there's a reason why Jesus had to come, Father, and I understand that, and that was because of my sin. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you loved me and sent a Messiah. And I know lots of people in this room are thankful. God, I'm grateful that your Holy Spirit opened the eyes of, of a number of people today and they invited you to be a part of their life. And I sure hope, God, that I would see them this next January. It'd be a great way to kick off their year. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness in our lives and I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen.